Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and in this episode of Chick Flicks, we're talking about two movies that take place on Christmas Eve, Die Hard and Tangerine. But first, let's catch up. Mackenzie, what let me are tell you, you into? What, yeah. am I, okay. what am I into? I will tell you. Um, so I've caught up a little bit. No, I'm like halfway through the episodes available of HBO's Watchmen. And it kind of took me like two or three episodes to get really hooked into it. But I think it's amazing. I love it. At first, I was a little wary of it because I thought it was like very pro-cop. Um, but not to spoil anything, it's definitely more complex than that. Mm-hmm. And I love Regina King in it. And it just is such a fun, it feels almost like in the way that, and I don't mean this in a bad way that like fan fiction can be like really fun because it's like Mm -hmm. a continuation of a story, but Mm -hmm. with all these like interesting added elements that make it more contemporary, it feels like that uh, slightly, but at, you know, HBO production level, uh, it's really fun. I think though, if you weren't familiar with the book or the previous movie, it would be like almost impossible to watch. Well, I, so that. I am coming from that mm. sort of because I don't remember. I watched the movie, yeah. but I don't remember it at all. And I haven't read the book and I do, I am enjoying it. I think I've only watched two mm. or three episodes. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, but I do really like it. Yeah. So I think it's so fun to play around in like the alternate universe America. That's yeah. also similar to ours. And also I, this is like maybe embarrassing, but I had no idea about the Tulsa, Tulsa massacre. I know. Like, I can't believe it's like embarrassing that I didn't know that, but I know. And like relatively recently in our history too. It's crazy. Right. Oh, so crazy. Wild. Yikes. On a completely different note, I watched a marriage story on Friday night and with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson directed by Noah Mm -hmm. Baumbach. And like, I think I mostly didn't like it. Like I liked it, the performances for the most part, but Mm -hmm. it did seem like um, like a lot of people online have been talking about like the movie doesn't take a side between the man and the woman getting divorced. And I'm like, it clearly does. Like Adam driver is in way more of the movie than Scarlett Johansson's character. He like just gets like way more sympathetic beats and it's definitely like very weird and uh, like upsetting too. like, he, he yells at her and tells her he wishes she was dead at one point, And then she like comforts him as he cries. Like just weird, a lot of weird Ooh. stuff like that. And it's his second Noah Baumbach's second movie where he has the male protagonist say in an argument to his wife, I could have been having all this sex if I wasn't married. Like his second movie where someone says that exact same thing. What's anyway, his other, what movie he's is done, that? So he's done, uh, while we're young, which I hated with Ben Stiller oh, okay. and Naomi Watts and, um, kicking and screaming and Francis Ha and oh. like a bunch of, I think like I've ben only Stiller seen Francis Ha. Yeah. Francis Ha he did with Greta Gerwig. So that's why yeah. I liked it. But this mm-hmm. movie will remind you of Greta, like Francis Ha, but, um, kind of more cringy. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, I, the one part that I truly enjoyed and can recommend the entire movie just based off of this one scene is Merritt Weaver. Who's amazing. And she was in, um, unbelievable. She plays Scarlett Johansson's sister. And there's this scene, probably like 30 minutes into the movie, if you just want to fast forward there, where she is tasked with serving Adam Driver the divorce papers, but she's super, (laughs) super nervous. And like, oh my God, she's so, so nervous. And Adam Driver comes into the house. And it was so funny that I rewinded it three times to watch. Uh, So my my, I plug Merritt Weaver's performance in A Marriage Story. Why wasn't she just the lead? And Scarlett Johansson was the sister. Oh, yeah, I've. 
I want to watch it almost just for Merritt Reaver. She's I really only in like two scenes her. and it's that scene. That's the best. Okay. But it's so funny. It's so funny. Uh, and then the last thing I want to plug is I'm reading this book right now. It's a biography of the author Shirley Jackson oh. and it's called A Rather Haunted Life. Um, and it's just a really interesting look at her life and um, like her place in literature and kind of trying to like situate her as like a great writer of the, you know, um, 21st century. And yeah, it's really good. I love her writing. It's very sad though. She had a lot of problems with her family and like with her mm-hmm. self image and stuff. And her husband cheated on her a lot. Bad. So yeah, a lot of sad. Th- what are you into Mackenzie? Hopefully more positive things Ew. than me. I-, I feel like mine are always like, I am always like bubbly. Chernobyl. <laughs> Um, but the first thing and the true thing that I'm obsessed with this week is She-Ra and the Princesses of Power on Netflix. It is a children's television show. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think in the vein of like Steven's Universe, although I've never watched that, but it is just based off of the original She-Ra TV show, or I guess, which I've never seen either, but mm-hmm. it's um, about these group of princesses that need to save their land and they just work with the power of like friendship and stuff. Oh my God. Have you kept up or do you follow, uh, Noelle Stevenson? Um, the creator, the showrunner. That sounds familiar. Maybe she, she you would probably love her stuff. She used to do a web comic. Fuck. I forget what her Nimira Nimira. She used to do this web comic that was really mm-hmm. popular about like a shapeshifter girl. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll send her your stuff. You probably like okay. love her. Yeah, yeah. It sounds familiar because of the. She did lumberjanes. Okay, that's like her style of drawing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. it's super like diverse, and it kind of gives me like hope that a children's show is very like. There's a non non-binary character that was introduced oh, wow. in this past season. Like one of the main. There's like three main character, three or four main characters, and mm-hmm. one of them has like two dads and oh my gosh they're i don't know it's just like yeah i love it um and i'm just like i hope the next generation is just like better yeah just (laughs) like starts getting better baseline cool with that kind of thing yeah yeah exactly Mm -hmm. um and then the second thing is this book called Call Down the Hawk, which is a spinoff. It's the first of a spinoff trilogy of a other series called The Raven Cycle. And I loved The Raven Cycle. And this Call Down the Hawk one is about my favorite character from that one. And it's about a boy who, I guess he's a man now. Now he's like college age. Ooh. <laughs> but he... um can manifest the things that he dreams and that's like basically what it Mm -hmm. is about um and it took a while for me to get into like almost like most of the book because it all just seemed like each chapter seemed like introductory because there she did the author introduced a bunch of new characters um and each one it was like okay we're still introducing it's still Mm -hmm. whatever but the payoff was like super satisfying and worth it so um, and the the main character is gay, but it's not like I feel like it's super refreshing to have like a like a gay love story that isn't about 
being gay and like having to come out and like uh, your family and all of that it's like it's in a fantasy he, world too and, yeah like yeah. he has like a boyfriend and his boyfriend is like a psychic and like mm-hmm. he dreams stuff and that that's like what it's about instead of like the mm-hmm. trials of having to come out and stuff like that which yeah. i like um and then the third thing is the movie the king on netflix with timothee Oh my gosh. Okay. I was like, maybe this is a like an anime or something she's watching. Oh, yeah. No. I tried to watch The King. Really? I really liked it. I just could not get into it. I wanted to hang in there for Robert Pattinson. Should I just go back to watch it? No. No, no? because he's not great. I don't know. He's like oh, crazy. That accent, the. Yeah. You have it's a very, very silly. It's business a... or whatever he says. <laughs> it's a very silly performance by Robert Pattinson. Um, but. Aren't they all? I'm not like. I don't, I'm not like a Shakespeare person. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, Cause some people really are like, you're not a Shakespeare in, head. Yeah. Um, and I've never read, what is it? Like Henry V or something. Mm-hmm. I've never read it, but I really liked this movie. It was like really, like it was like a really well-made movie. Like it was beautiful to look at, but it also really, for some reason, this movie, more than, like, any other war movie, struck me, like, how horrible war is, which yeah. I know is, like, something that I believe and I think. I'm like, war is terrible. It's murder. But in this movie, I, like, felt it. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think because they're just, like, killing each other with their fists and stuff. And it's so, like... Per- yeah, immediate. Per- like, yes. And, like, right. They're, like, they're just, like, these two, like, teenagers almost just, like beating the shit out of each other and like killing each other like murdering mm. each other and it's all supposed to be in like the name of like your country or whatever but it's just so stupid anyway mm. i liked the king <laughs> um, <laughs> controversial opinion very very effective in i feel like it was a, effective in pointing out how shitty war is i guess mm-hmm. that's what i'm getting at <laughs> uh and you wanted to mention parasite as well well, just that Parasite has ruined, like, every movie that I've watched after I know. It. We're going to have to talk about Parasite. More, like, we have to do, have, our, like, a full episode of that. Yeah. Well, and that. And yeah. probably in the year wrap-up. Because, yeah. like, I saw Knives Out. I was like, okay. It was, like, okay, but... Will you call that a twist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Parasite is so good. It's, like, a perfect movie. Yeah. It's really anyway. good. I love that cast. All right, let's dive into our first <laughs> Christmas-themed episode of the season. Our first movie is, you may have heard of it, Die Hard from 1988. When NYPD cop John McClane flies to L.A., he expects to reconcile with his estranged wife, Holly, at her company's Christmas party. Much to John's chagrin. Wait, is that how you say that word? Chagrin. Chagrin. It's one of those words I've only ever typed and never have said it loud. Yeah. I know in uh, Twilight. It's everything I, she says everything it, is to Edward's chagrin. Yes. Keep it in. <laughs> she says it like every... That's why I know the word because of Twilight. Because she uses it in like every other page. Anyway. Thanks for teaching us an SAT word, Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> Holly followed her job to California where she is now a, a total hashtag girl boss at Nakatomi Corporation and works under her maiden name. When the party begins, John quickly finds that the hardest part of the night will not be small talk with corporate stooges. A group of German terrorists led by the charismatic Hans Gruber, take command of the Nakatomi building. Only John McClane, with his street cop smarts, can go toe-to-toe with Hans, save Christmas, and prove that even hashtag girl bosses need their husbands. (laughs) 
I think we're going to capture like a new audience with this episode. With Die Hard? Die Hard is like, a culture. People because love Die Hard. I was at Thanksgiving and I, my uncle listens to it, to our podcast, which I think is very sweet. But he stops listening after we talk about like what we're into because he Aww. doesn't know the movies. So I was like, we're doing Die Hard. And he was like, perfect. It's my mom's so, favorite movie. One of my mom's favorite movies. That's awesome. She loves Die Hard. Um, and it's the only Die Hard movie I have seen. I haven't seen any of the sequels. I don't know about you. I've seen one of them, but I don't know which one. It was Bruce Willis was bald. Oh, so okay. Yeah, he's not bald in this. I feel like they should all happen at Christmas, though. I'm like, if they're, if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, all of the sequels should be at Christmas. Therefore, I do not think it is a Christmas movie. Yeah. I also don't think it's really a Christmas movie. Yeah. But I think that this could maybe be talked about more also with Tangerine. They're both in LA. Yeah. And in Tangerine, the mother-in-law is like christmas without snow is feels like fake because it's in la and it just feels like wrapped in like be a beautiful lie or something Mm, yeah yeah that's a that's a interesting comparison and i think that christmas is more essential to tangerine's essence than Mm -hmm. christmas is to die hard Um, yeah i agree but my favorite part of the movie though is this and uh, i said this to tim and i was like this feels like so unlike me, but I was like, I love when he sends the dead guy down in the elevator and his shirt says, I have a machine gun now. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun movie. It's a undeniably fun. Yeah. Fun and movie. it's like, there are parts where he's like hanging off the edge of something and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, yeah. I felt, you know, <laughs> that may be a good part to jump into. So, um, a lot of the appeal of this movie is that for the most part, a lot of what John McClane slash Bruce Willis does seems very effortful and hard and Mm -hmm. it does he does seem like a regular person um Mm -hmm. who is trying his best and like not always happy with the decision he makes um but Richard Brody (laughs) this is so funny Richard Brody did a column I think like a year or two ago where he watched movies from the 80s that he hadn't seen before like action movies and then Mm -hmm. wrote about them and he's so you know like esoteric in his writing but he watched <laughs> die hard for the first time and he said the movie lost me at a single moment about a third of the way in when mclean falling down an elevator shaft catches himself by the fingertips on the re- recessed inside of an air vent at that moment the rules of the game change the drama passes from heroics to super heroics and mclean's exertions rise from extraordinary to incredible and i agree with that like let's keep it as realistic as possible for yeah. a movie about a, a man single-handedly taking down a terrorist cell <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I guess I just, I don't know. I also just don't care about realism. Yeah, because (laughs) I don't know. I just, yeah, I didn't didn't bother me. Realism has no place in the dad fantasy genre, which this movie is 100% dad fantasy. Yes. People like your wife doesn't think she needs you. Well, we'll see what happens when terrorists arrive. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see who needs who then. I do think this movie is different from like pre. It is different than like previous eighties action movies because it Mm because it is like you said like this real guy who Mm -hmm. like the movie starts off with him being like shown as vulnerable. Like he doesn't like flying. Yeah. The, how the movie starts he's has like this aversion to flying and he's in the plane and he doesn't like it so it's like he starts off sh- like as being shown as vulnerable and i feel like he's given many moments to be vulnerable too 
um, like not just physically vulnerable, but he um, like has this moment in the middle of the film or maybe towards the end where he's on the phone with the other cop, Al, and is mm-hmm. basically like unsure if he's going to get out alive. And he mm-hmm. gives this monologue um, to his wife, uh, basically mm-hmm. apologizing. There's a good, really good line where he's like, I've said, I love you a thousand times, but I haven't said, I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Which I was like, Ooh, that would work. Yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Same. <laughs> Uh, and he's like basically apologizes for not supporting her in her career, and it's very un- it's unusual that he would be so introspective and emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. then it kind of gets um, washed away by the rest of the film. I feel like for the whole movie, he's it's also like he's asking for help for the mm-hmm. whole movie, which is one of the things that yeah, like also makes it different. Like I think I watched um. The movies that made us or whatever on Netflix, they have an episode, which is like, I'm not a huge fan of. I, the narrator is very, uh, that's so annoying. Like just, I don't know. I don't Mm. like him, but I watched the episode on this and it's, they said like they tried to get all the typical hero actors to play, uh, John McClane before they went to Bruce Willis. So they asked like Arnold Schwarzenegger and, Harrison Ford and you know those people mm-hmm. and they were all like uh eh. like it seems a little bit like he seems like a weak guy or mm-hmm. whatever because he's like asking for help and all that stuff That's um, crazy. but I think that almost like there are feminine touches to John McClane which I think is another thing that makes me feel like more um like this movie is special compared to other 80s action movies because he he does ask for help, but then when the help arrives, it's like he is very disappointed by the help. Like the police are absolutely the FBI; are, they're like useless. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a very familiar feeling for women to like ask for help and then be disappointed by the help that they receive, especially with law enforcement. So yeah. I don't so know. Yeah. And I think like this whole movie, like where he. Like, where he does have that, like, touching relationship with Al, and he is, like, literally, like, stripped down for the whole movie. Uh, he's vulnerable. He's very vulnerable, <laughs> and it's a credit to Bruce Willis's performance. And I was reading that, you know, he had been on this TV show, Moonlighting Forever, and people mm-hmm. were like, wait, this guy, a comedy actor? Like, we forget mm-hmm. that he started as a, com- a comedic actor, mm-hmm. you know? And now he pretty much only does movies like this. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of, like, the last... I tried to watch um, Glass, but oh, could, you did could not finish it. Oh, really? Yeah. Dang. Um, I haven't. Tried. But and Alan Rickman also is like runs away with this movie too mm-hmm. as yeah. Hans Gruber, his first mm-hmm. film role. I know, crazy. Forty one. Yeah, it is crazy. He's so good that I heard that mm-hmm. um, they were worried he would be too sympathetic and that you would be like rooting for him. So they mm-hmm. have him kill the CEO for that reason because mm-hmm. they're like we have to make him harder yeah. and more more of a bad guy because he's so yeah. like fun to watch yeah that that mm. was probably a good choice because when because i loved the ceo i know he was very nice he's yeah, a nice he was man nice. <laughs> father of five I know. um oh, and the a lot of reviews i read kind of characterized the part where it's revealed that they just want money as like a twist like they're not actual terrorists they just want money and i was mm-hmm. like does this impact anything though in the film like I also that so that was another thing was that I think one of the oh the director I'm pretty sure so the book I think was like 
eight, just about mm-hmm. terrorists. Yeah. And then the director was like, I don't want to do a terrorist movie. I don't like terrorists. And they, he was like, I want to do a, ro- like, people love robbers. Let's do a robbery. That's movie. true. I mean, that's, that's very true, you know? Yeah. Uh, we, it's definitely like more sympathetic and less evil to just steal money than to randomly kill people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, like they had a point. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. That's so funny. Uh, I mean, Richard calls this movie furiously anti-bureaucratic, anti-governmental film. I guess that is the kind of like the, it's funny because it's like self-aware at times too, where uh, Hans Gruber's talking to John McClane on the phone and he's like, where's the direct quote? Who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child, another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. And like, clearly that is like the thrust of the movie is like this rugged individual being able to do it on his own without help from the government. Yeah. <laughs> um, to save his wife. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, they're a little self-aware with that. Uh, mm-hmm. so Holly played by Bonnie Bedelia is only six. She's six years older than Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. which is cool. First of all, that mm-hmm. they cast a woman older. That's probably the only action movie ever. Yeah. But he still looks older than her. Yeah, that's true. He does. He does, They look like the same age. Uh, yeah, it doesn't yeah, seem yeah. weird. Um, yeah, yeah, right. When I watched, I only watched I Heard for the first time like three years ago, and I was like, "Who is that actress?" And then I realized it was the hot grandma from Parenthood, <laughs> and I was like, "Hold up, this actress is now known and has been known for like the past ten years as the mm-hmm. hot grandma on Parenthood, whereas her co-star in this movie, Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. is still doing action films mm-hmm. and like running around with younger women. That's mm-hmm. fucked up." Yeah, that is. That's Poor. like there. It it reminds me of the um, Aladdin scandal that's going on right now. Oh yeah, whatever, where they like the main actor who played Aladdin mm-hmm. can't is like still not getting roles. roles and yeah. The white guy who was also in the movie got like a spinoff TV show. I don't know. I haven't seen Aladdin, but I haven't seen it either. But yeah, that sucks. Yeah, oh, that really sucks. Um, yeah. And I mean, Holly as a character is okay, you know, in this movie, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's definitely like this, I think there's a lot of anxiety about her and women working, you know, like, Mm -hmm. it's like, she has a maid who's watching the kids. Like, is she a bad Mm -hmm. mom? She's Mm -hmm. using her maiden name. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it does feel at times like this movie is kind of like teaching her a lesson a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. A lot of people talk about the watch and how the watch is like a symbol of her independence. And then, cause the, so her boss gives her like a Rolex, Mm -hmm. um, for her to like reward her for her good work. And Mm -hmm. then at the end, that's what Hans is holding on to as he's dangling off the building. And so they unclaps the watch oh, and he falls to his death. And that's supposed to be like John McClane is taking care of two birds with one stone. Like he's reclaiming his wife <laughs> and also killing the bad guy. Yep. It does um, seem like that. Yeah. Yeah. And just the ending to Al, the police officer is like, you take mm-hmm. care of this man to Holly, you know, mm-hmm. after he yeah. performs this incredible feat for her. I don't know. I, that felt like it, I, like undid a lot of the learning that John McClane did throughout mm. the, the movie. Like, it seemed like he was like, Oh, I like, cause he gets upset that she's using her maiden name. And then he's like, oh, that was so immature why did i get upset like he knows that it was stupid but then at the end when al is like take care holly you got to take care of this guy i'm Mm -hmm. like okay well 
don't like like okay he was great but like yeah don't give him like he should also like just because he did all these great things doesn't erase the fact that he did this really shitty thing before he did this great thing you know yeah exactly and especially if like we don't see that on camera with moment with between them um Mm -hmm. There's this article we read in Pop Matters by Marco Lanzagorta from 2008. And speaking of Al, who's the um, black cop who mm-hmm. kind of becomes Bruce Willis's like sidekick, uh, he writes, Die Hard further complicates its political discourse when dealing with racial issues in a similar way as most interracial buddy films do, police buddy films. In Die Hard, McLean is in communication with the chubby African-American police sergeant Al Powell, um, who gives him moral support, establishes a melodramatic background to assert love for his wife, and defends his wild actions with the police chief. However, Pal has a more subtle function in the visual structure of Die Hard. Let us recall that as Die Hard begins, it is revealed that Pal is unable to fire a handgun because of psychological trauma. Thus, Pal is sh- showcased as overweight, racially different, and metaphorically emasculated. In this regard, Pal plays the crucial role of defining and highlighting the hypermasculinity of McLean. And that's like a really good way to put it. Like he is mm-hmm. like. Bruce Willis is opposite intentionally, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah. Although I read their relationship as romantic. Especially oh, it is end. very sweet. I, yeah. It is still very sweet and supportive. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the, the end scene, it's like, I honestly don't care about Holly and no. John She's reuniting, dead. but John and Al getting to meet each other. That's like, it's the payoff. that's the emotional yeah. payoff. Actually, yes. In the movie. Yeah. Um but there's like a lot of like I was reading this um review on Deep Focus by mm-hmm. Brian Eggert and it was like a lot about like the there were a lot of phallic reading into this movie. Like the building as a phallus and yeah. the having to like reclaim your masculinity and the building exploding and the paper raining down and i was mm-hmm. like okay <laughs> i i buy it any interpretation of anything that brings it back to um alec stuff <laughs> makes sense it's men making these movies um yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to read this very funny piece of imdb trivia where i feel like people don't know what trivia means Sometimes, if you ever peruse the IMDb trivia yeah. section, they are like, <laughs> just putting in the weirdest shit. Um, <laughs> this is someone put this uh, in IMDb. Ode to Joy is considered the late motive for Hans Gruber's team. The actual quote, Joy, is the contents inside the safe. When Hans and Theo first enter the room with the safe and discuss how to break into it, there's a cello performing a very quiet version of Ode to Joy. When the safe is open, it changes to the full-blown rendition. The source of the thieves' joy was hidden behind the safe doors. <laughs> it's like yeah. Galaxy Brain. Um, yeah. <laughs> reading of the movie. <laughs> and also, I saw that the director, John McTiernan, was inspired to have the movie take place over a single night, inspired by Shakespeare's A Midsummer's Night Dream. <laughs> oh, that's very similar. <laughs> Oh, wait, it's also important, and we probably should have talked about this alongside the phallus, but there are so many establishing um, small scenes about Bruce Willis being horny. Right. And I think that is to, like, reinforce his heterosexuality and, like, masculinity. Because, like, he... And it could also be, like, I was reading in this Deep Focus review, um, Mm. 
that like New York is like masculine and badass and LA is more like effeminate. And he like sort of takes this, his catchphrase is like, uh, only in LA or like whatever. Yeah. Um, or like California. And then he rolls his eyes or something. Like, I know. When he de- sees like, like, uh, he, like a guy kisses him on the cheek in like the party and he's like, whoa. Like, I know. And, it, yeah. It does like, seem very political in that way. You know, and you could see him very easily being switched to, like, a Midwestern cop, you know, making it even more of a dramatic difference. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, he, like, oogles the flight attendant. Like, they're straight up, like, oh, my God, are they about to, like, fuck on the plane? Yeah. And then he (laughs) has this naked girl poster he keeps running past in the building and tapping. Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. also, just for a second, sees this naked woman in the building next door. And for a moment, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, is this going to be like, is she going to help him yeah. signal to her? And it's like, yeah. no, he's just checking her out. Yeah. Why his wife is captured by terrorists. It's his, it's like a very like masturbatory movie. If we want to go there. It is. It's like it, not only is it like reminding you that like men masturbate because it shows you this like pinup girl. Yeah. And, and like in this like hidden corner of the building yes. is under construction and you're like, Oh, this is this guy's like jerk off spot. Uh-huh. But it's also like, like I said, like the building could be representative of a phallus, but also like Powell not being able to fire his gun. That's yeah. another, like he's emasculated. So right. And then he, at the end he learns that he can actually fire his gun all thanks to John McLean. And you know, if we really wanted to like queer the reading in this, it could be like maybe they and I'm really just spitballing here off the top Go of my head, it. but they they realized John and Al that they had such a deep connection and through their perhaps romantic feelings for each other were able to reclaim their masculinity in that way. That's so and, true. They do it together. Yeah, and you know that just goes to show that you heterosexuality does not necessarily mean masculine you know Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) that's a a very good reading Um, (laughs) I'm sweaty (laughs) (laughs) we have a selection of very good very important one star reviews for this movie Um, I can do the first one Die Hard a single man takes on a terrorist in LA copycat one last thing that this action slash thriller is not a Christmas movie in all caps. It's funny that that's like a debate. Yeah, it is funny. Stupid. Um, and this, this is our second one. This is like so cliched. Mission Impossible is getting ripped off by this film. Wow, that is stealing. And it steals from like every terrorist movie ever. This film should fly into the 9-11 towers for all I care. I mean, Ooh. it's really bad. The main character looks like Donald Duck with his face squashed in, and I wish he died, like, really hard so I wouldn't ever have to see that ugly guy again. You should go watch The Grown Ups, too. It's way better. Is, oh, my God. This person this is trolling. This is a I don't know. It's I love, fake. I wish he died, me. like, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Grown Ups, too? What even is that? Like, Oh, an Adam Sandler movie? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie, what is your final thoughts and rating for Die Hard? Um, what a stupid name. We forget that it's a stupid name. I like the name. Controversial. Like a di- you're a Die Hard fan of something, but they just like made it the movie name. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> I also like the name Hans Gruber. Oh, me too. It's it's like and a John perfect McClane. name. John McClane's also a good. Yeah. Name. Um. 
I'll read it like a five. Action movies just aren't like my thing, really. Mm-hmm. But I do. But it is like a really good movie. It's I like how like snarky it is, and I mean now we've seen it a million times, but it was like I think really. It was, like, since it was the first, I think it was, like, refreshing to know that this is, like, the best. Yeah. And sort of, like, hold it in context that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, like, well made. Like, it has, like... It is well made. It's so, yeah, like a five. Yeah. I uh, totally agree. I think it changed action movies, too. Um, I, I think, like, the third act is kind of slow. Like, when the cops arrive, you're like, this thing's going to wrap up pretty quickly. And then there's, mm-hmm. like an hour left of the movie. Uh, but I love Bruce Willis's performance. I love Alan Rickman's performance Mm -hmm. and it's just really fun and a pleasurable movie going experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't like action either. Normally I can't Mm -hmm. even pay attention in action sequences Mm -hmm. because I'm like, people aren't speaking (laughs) and I, my mind just goes blank. Um, I'm going to give it a six, uh, really fun. And I know it's not a Christmas movie, but it is very fun and seasonal to watch. Yeah. And very different from our next film. Our next movie that we're talking about is Tangerine from 2015. It's the night before Christmas and Cinderella is on a mission to track down her boyfriend's new girl. Over donuts with her bestie and fellow trans sex worker, Alexandra, Cindy learns from her friend that Chester, who is also her pimp, has been cheating on Cindy while she was in prison for a month. What follows is a madcap adventure movie that takes both Alexandra and Cindy all over Los Angeles in pursuit of men, friendships, donuts, and revenge. Merry Christmas, bitch. <laughs> That's the first line of the movie, which is perfect. This is a Christmas movie. It, yeah, I think so. And I tweeted that once and Sean Baker favorited it. That's fun. Sean Baker is very online. He's a very online person. Yeah. He apparently has like a letterboxed account where he writes controversial things like he didn't think that the relationship between J-Lo and Constance Wu in Hustlers was believable. Wow. That is controversial. He seems like too old. He seems younger because he's so online, but he's like kind of old. Well, not really. really. He's I'm like, Google him. he's he like 40 baby face too. And I saw that this movie was like his fifth feature film too. And I was like, oh, well, it was the first movie I heard about him. Oh, yeah, he's 48. Damn. He has a baby face. He looks like a child. Yes. Wow, what the fuck? Okay, yeah, he's way younger, older than I thought. Yeah. Um, Because he's so online. You're like, wow, this hip guy, this hip young guy making these. And if you go, you know, his Google images, he just looks really young. Yeah. Maybe these pictures are all from a while ago. I think I think he's just like maybe a robot or something. A lot of people I follow on like film Twitter hate him. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I think just because he's kind of like he is an annoying reviewer. They all follow his um, oh, letterbox. <laughs> his letterbox account. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, man. like he has a lot of persnickety ideas. Uh, but you saw this movie when it first came out, right? I think so, but I didn't see it in theaters or anything, mm-hmm. which possibly I think might have changed my experience with it because mm-hmm. I I've read in this I mean there's we have this one review by a trans person who watched the movie and she was like there were lots of laughing at inappropriate times yeah. and stuff like that and like obviously I didn't see it with a group of people but if I I hadn't even it occurred to me that that like might happen 
because yeah. I just watched it alone. Um, but I think I would have been like super upset if mm-hmm. that had happened in yeah. like a screening. It's difficult because on one hand, I'm happy to watch a movie about marginalized people that is not a total like sad slog fest of misery and trauma and this movie has a lot of levity and comedy injected mm-hmm. to it because, like, everyone's lives is, you know, like, it's not all one thing or the other, you know? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you could read that as, you know, taking light some of, like, the um, the person whose review we read on Autostraddle is named Morgan Collado. And she was saying that, you know, like, it's you're still seeing like violence happening to trans women of color in this film. She says, um, why does the film find it necessary to emphasize the sisterhood by subjecting them both to violence? What does it say about the director and the audience that this was the only way to bring them back together because they have no other choice because the world is trying to kill them. This is in reference to the, one of the final scenes where, um, Cindy has like urine thrown at her. Uh, and it's like pretty, uh, one of the most abrupt, um, like sequences of like a a violent act like that. And the whole film comes at the very end. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's like a really good point. Uh, on the other hand, I think Maya Taylor did tell Sean Baker when he was like coming up with the idea for the movie, like it has to be, if you can't like, you have to show things that will actually happen to us, mm-hmm. like all this like crazy shit. And then it has mm-hmm. to be funny as well. So that was like yeah. a demand. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's just hard. Like the, it, it reminds me of like when you're in, um, like I was in a, I, this is just the first instance that comes to my mind, but this happens all the time in movies. You know, I, when we went, I went to go see the first it movie and like this woman was like laughing at the bullies being like cutting up the fat kids belly, oh you know, God. like next to me. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa. Like we are, we are in this audience together, but we are two different yeah. audience members, like viewing it from a totally different perspectives. Right. I, yeah, but I, I'm, I am glad that this movie is funny because it is funny, it's but funny. like, not like um and i think in like a a tender way it's also it also has a lot of moments of tenderness too yeah like i think it has quiet moments yeah yeah, like comedy and tenderness but also like pretty like traumatizing scenes as well like not just the um and uh part where they're like have urine thrown at them which is like horrible but um mm. with Cindy sort of like beating up this other sex worker for like a very long time like yeah. drawn out time and it's it's pretty like shocking and disturbing to watch I feel like mm. but then they become they become friends <laughs> sort of yeah. sort of yeah uh a little, still adversarial uh mm. I was surprised given that this movie only came out four years ago, the difference in um, how people were speaking about like trans issues and writing about them was like very upsetting. Um, mm-hmm. I was very surprised to read a review by Manola Dargis in the New York times, who I, mm-hmm. I generally like a lot as a reviewer. Mm-hmm. She wrote, uh, yeah, try to catch all the kind of like fucked up things she says in this. She wrote the, that's true of its main attractions, a pair of transgender lookers with motor mouths and killer gams, as well as the nominally, 
nominally straight men occupying their hearts and minds. Given the girl talk and high-pitched shrieks of laughter, you may not immediately notice that the women are transgender when ide- with identities that speak to the cultural moment. Transgen- uh, tangerine encompasses dizzying multitudes. It's a neo-screwball chase flick with a dash of fastbender, but mostly, movingly, it's a female friendship movie about two people who each started life with an XY chromosome set. Ew. Yeah, and David Edelstein and Vulture... I'm paraphrasing this, but it was basically what he said was, um, who are both as beautiful as two people can be with still having penises. Ah, what the fuck? I know. Like, just like the fact that she calls the men nominally straight is really fucked up. I mean, every review I read called them prostitutes too. Um, Oh God. Yeah. It's just very unfortunate that it's, it sucks that people had no idea how to talk about this even as recently as 2015. Yeah, I feel like we still have a long way to go. But mm-hmm. um I there and I think there I feel like a lot of movies or media depict tra- like are only about trans sex workers and not mm. like I it would be great to see like a movie get this much acclaim and stuff that was just about mm-hmm. like a like a different trans story, you know? Like Yeah. Yeah, it would. And I, I think we would be remiss without naming um, Katana, Kiki Rodriguez, and Maya Taylor, who play the two leads, Cindy and Alexandra. Apparently, they supplied Sean Baker and his co-writer with a lot of the story plot lines. And mm-hmm. so I was disappointed to see that they don't get any sort of producing credit on this film. You know, right. if they, if they basically they gave him the idea that the premise of the film would be them tracking down this um, cisgender woman. Yeah. So that kind of sucks that it's yeah. still a white man helmed film. Right, I agree. That's like I I mean I think it was good that he didn't have an idea of what the movie should be before talking to oh, that's trans true, yeah. women. But I think then if you're going to let your story be so like much informed by these conversations with the trans women that you're working with, your like partners, yeah. They they should be acknowledged as such. Mm-hmm. you know totally agree and um, they haven't really been in like no. like Checked. uh yeah they haven't really been anything like kiki or uh maya so yeah um but they do both do like really good performances yeah, they're so fun to watch together they were yeah. roommates so they have this really nice lived in dynamic mm-hmm. um that is just really fun to watch I, in particular, really loved Maya Taylor's performance, who kind of Mm -hmm. gets to be more subdued as Alexandra Mm -hmm. and kind of Mm -hmm. gets, like, a little more of these, like, serious character beats, especially Mm -hmm. when she's trying to get people to come to her um, Mm -hmm. performance at the, um, at that restaurant. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, but they were, they were both, like, really charming and Mm -hmm. enjoyed watching them, and I thought the movie kind of rested on their shoulders, especially, like, the final scene, Mm -hmm. which, do-do-do-do... Morgan Collado in Autostraddle just bring up a very good point. The scene shows them taking off their wigs, which is just another instance of the trope saying that trans women's femininity is not real. Um, mm. Which I was like, that's that's fair. Um, mm-hmm. This yeah. movie shot on iPhones too. We yeah. didn't talk about that yet. <laughs> the, I feel like this movie and when I was reading reviews for Tangerine and Die Hard, both had um, like both... Like Die Hard, it kept saying like 
Die Hard has spun off so many other movies that are mm. like Die Hard on a whatever, Die Hard on a plane, Die Hard in the White House. Yeah. And this movie, it was like shot on iPhones, and now both were so boring, <laughs> such boring facts to me, and they were in every, like the central point of like every review, and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I know it's so true, <laughs> and like you forget that it's on an iPhone pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, it is like cool that you can make something with like such a low budget. You know, mm-hmm. like it's cool that you can make like a big thing with such a low budget. And I, it was also cool that the you didn't have this like huge like production crew following mm-hmm. you around. So it was more of like a like verite feel to it, and that like the actors might not have been as like uh, intimidated by a yeah. huge camera or the like background people like know about Mm -hmm. that's a really good point uh it doesn't allow sean baker to be like pretty nimble uh while filming and he said that he focused he said it on christmas eve because of family all many of the girls on the streets have is each other although Mm -hmm. even that is shaky because as taylor says there's so many fake people out there in the end you only have yourself dang yeah but yeah, this is does feel more like a Christmas movie than Die Hard, I think, because it is it does feel like more real than Die Hard. Like Die Hard, we were saying, is like a fantasy and doesn't. Yeah, I, and I then, think it. They both, though, I feel like can be considered Christmas in like a more quote unquote like real way than maybe other Christmas movies, in that they center on like conflict. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true too. <laughs> um. And family also, sort Mm -hmm. of. Yeah. Um, Christmas definitely influences, as I said earlier, Tangerine more more so. Um, It is funny. It's a a very funny film. You know who gives a very funny performance? James Ransom. Mm -hmm. uh, Who's in It? Did you see the second It? Yeah. Who is he in It? He's Eddie in It. This is like the only other thing I've seen him in. So I was like, oh, it's that guy. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. All the people in it i was like i don't understand which one is which i could i have accidentally liked way too many bill Ho- bill hater fan accounts on instagram so my explore <laughs> feed is just like 13 year olds obsessed with the it cast that are their age posting about them shipping oh. them together and i'm like oh you know when you like click on it once and then your instagram's like oh yeah, yeah you like that and i'm like yeah. no and then i'm always just clicking now because i'm like what is this so they have me down for a lot of it content that's so funny <laughs> What's the weirdest thing that pops up in your Instagram Explore feed? I don't really look at my Explorer feed that much. You should. Have you ever gone to that section where they like put down all where like all the ad categories you fall into? No. Oh, I'll off mic. I will tell you how to do that because it's okay. very weird and entertaining. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. I was saying to Mackenzie earlier that it wasn't very fun to look up one-star reviews for this movie because people were terrible and very um, transphobic and transmisogynistic. Uh, mm-hmm. So we could give a, a, a positive review from this writer on Auto Shadow, whose name is just listed as May. She's a trans woman. Um, who said, with Tangerine, I finally felt like I was part of the intended audience. There were inside jokes. It wasn't overly male or cis-gazy. The characters seemed familiar. It was familiar. It was also a downright wonderful feeling seeing such a huge number of trans women in a single movie. This was a world where trans women didn't, don't exist in a vacuum, where they have other friends who are trans. It was just like the real world. So That's awesome. Nice positive note to end on. Yeah. yeah. And I do think that, again, like it would have been 
awesome for them to get more credit for it. But I think mm-hmm. that Maya and Kiki um, ad-libbed a bunch of their lines. Yeah. Which I think is probably one of the reasons that this reviewer may felt like seen by the movie, uh-huh. but it wished that the credits had, like I said, recognized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope that they continue to be compensated for any residuals or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And cast in uh, more stuff, especially uh, Maya, who was so, yeah. so, so good. She's so good. Really, really good. Uh, yeah. I hope we, we see her in something. Oh, anyway, Mackenzie, what would you rate this film, Tangerine? Um, I think I'll rate it like a seven. I really like it. It's like, mm-hmm. it is, like I said, really funny. And like, I like cried and stuff. So It's unusual it's, for Mackenzie. It, it's... <laughs> LOL. It's very moving. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a six. Really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, love the performances. I feel like it could have been plot wise a little bit tighter. Like I feel mm-hmm. like the last final act where they're all in the donut shop could have been more of a like cohesive quilting mm-hmm. together of all the different plot lines. We didn't really talk about the driver, the taxi driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was annoyed that he kind of like had any like that we followed him at all. Um, cause he just took away from time with the protagonist. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it sucks. I was thinking at the end of his storyline, like just how much it sucks that people and this is like, just like can't be who they want to be or do mm. you know what I mean? But at the same time I was like, he's still like not a fully redeemable character. No, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, it would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on December 23rd, and we will be talking about Christmas monster movies, the Gremlins, Gremlins, the Gremlins, Gremlins. I thought we were talking about the other movie. (laughs) Wait, which one? I thought we were doing, um, wait. Let me look at our text messages. Okay, I mean, I don't really even like Krampus that much. If we could find a different movie other than Krampus. I thought it was... Uh, oh, uh, yeah, that one. Out. You're right. You're right. What is it called? Better Watch Out. Okay, uh, Gremlins and Better Watch Out. Sorry, this is the second year in the row that we have thought about doing Krampus <laughs> and have decided against it. <laughs> it's not good. That was some behind the scenes. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, we have to do our chiclet about Black Christmas, too. Oh yeah, we will. We'll find we'll find a time. Okay, next Sunday is just gonna be yeah. like all day recording. Maybe I'll go on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Creek Carlson for our music. Thanks for listening to Chick Flicks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Merry Christmas, bitch. <laughs>